Well, let's see here where I'm at. Genesis chapter. Got to look at it here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 is where we're going to key off of today. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The subheading in my Bible, a Nelson printed Bible, is uh, the fall of man. There's a whole lot more to this chapter than just the fall of man, and that's what I want to bring out this morning. We all know we're frail. We all know we're less than perfect. It's how that affects our lives and how we handle that that gets us over that situation. The best way to handle that situation is trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then you get a compass and everything else in life falls into place. If you continue to deny Christ and you don't believe, in fact, in his existence, then you fall short. You'll fall short. And the Bible calls falling short sin. And invariably, you'll justify any activity you tend to take, and you'll fall short of humanity's purpose, and that's to serve God, to get along with one another, and to glorify Christ. And uh, those are things we all have to work on. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, talks about uh, the fall, the first fall, the first initial fall we see of mankind. I want to be very generic here. Not that I'm getting gender sensitive, but the fact that this is, happens to be a male and a female, and it does play out in different points and roles later on in mankind's life in the separation. In fact, that's one of the first things that takes place in verse 6 is separation. Genesis, I'll read 1 through 6 probably, maybe, maybe 7. Yes, I'll read 7. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Did he say anything about touching it? Oh. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, they, your, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, small g, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for life, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be taken to to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word this morning, where we, there's so much here, so much to take from it, but forgive me for, if I be simplistic in it, Lord, because we need to start somewhere with different things, and Lord, just help us to understand what you're, one of the lessons you have presented for us here in this rich book of beginnings, to bring glory and honor to your Son, and to bring us closer to thee, I pray, amen. Genesis chapter 3, 6, there's something that takes place here. What happened when the woman saw that the tree was good for food? 
this to the eye. You might know where I'm going with this. I'm going to end up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Let's read that right away, and we'll uh, start. Uh, we'll go back and forth then. Uh, or else you can just keep your finger there and see where I'm going to go with this. 1 John, way in the back. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And then 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 reads, Nothing new under the sun, my Bible says. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word abide in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I reckon that, you know, the author of this, that the Holy Spirit inspired, he must have read Genesis chapter 3. I just think he kind of knew that was in there. And you can see that's nothing new under the sun. It echoes all the way through from Genesis to almost the last book in Scripture. In fact, you can find the lust of uh, the pride of life all through Revelations. That's what sin's about, isn't it? Pride of life. Pride of life. We become as gods, knowing good from evil. We trust in our own knowledge and our own accomplishments and our own wisdom to justify what we do the rest of our lives not based on God's word, but on our personal experiences or lack thereof, the pride of life. Let's see here how that intercedes. Go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, food and drink, food and drink. It's a little disheartening for me when I examine this town's history to find out that it, its first grocery store was based on a place uh, was based around a liquor store lust of the flesh the lady felt so guilty for establishing a liquor store she decided to give the gentlemen's there something to buy besides alcohol to take back home to their families if in fact they had any Hence, the grocery store was established in this town, the first grocery store on this island. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, food and drink. She seen the food, and it looked good, and she partook of it. You know, there's a lot of things that look good in this world, but you know, we doesn't take, take part in it. I t I've talked to many people that have been hooked on drugs, and one of the things they tell me is, it felt so good. You can't believe the colors I've seen. You can't believe the places I've been and not left my living room. You can't believe the trips I've taken. You can't believe how high and how low I've gotten because of what they ingested into their bodies. No limit to that comes forth where the government's regulating it to a degree now. Lust of the eyes. What can we sum that up in? Feelings. Feelings. I seen it, therefore I feel it. I know it's true because I seen it. 
Is that really justification? Have your eyes never played tricks on you? God's word is justification. God's word is the final authority, not how you feel. I have people come to me over the years many times, and they'll go, you know, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I got up on a mountaintop, and I don't ever want to come down. And then I see them later, and they've come down. Well, what happened? I, I just don't know, Pastor. I, I lost my feeling. I don't feel like going to church anymore. I don't feel like being around Christians. I don't feel like reading God's Word. I don't feel like praying to God. Nothing new under the sun, is there? How did Eve feel? How did Eve feel at that moment? I'm not saved because of my feelings. I'm saved because I put my faith and trust in God's word. I don't make my decisions in life by how, what I see and how I feel. I make my decisions in life by trusting in God's word. That's what God wants us to do. That's what he did with Eve, didn't he? And Adam, he said, every tree is yours. Everything you can eat is yours. It's yours to have. Go ahead and enjoy my life, my bounty. Everything's wonderful. But that one over there, and what he was given mankind at that whether you know him, you might never even realize him, but I could talk to your children and find out what they were. They know. The next generation suffers from it. You know, there's reprobates in prison right now because of some choice, some idea, some thing that they thought they were better than God. The first man I ever witnessed to wasn't a man at all. He was a 17-year-old teenager in my high school. And, oh, yeah, I was all carried away with religion at the time. And I went up to Joe and I said, Joe... I says, you and I got the same girlfriend. Oh, I was going to put the move on her and never did because it was Joe's girlfriend. And I said to Joe, I says, you know, I got a good girlfriend, but she's a Christian, and I don't know if I want to be a Christian. I don't feel like following all that. I don't feel like all their rules and all this. I, I don't feel like I, there's even a God. And I talked to Joe, and I says, sometimes. And I talked to Joe, I says, you know, I, uh, later, I says, there is a God, and I'm not going to put the move on your girlfriend. I often pray for that person. I don't even remember her name, so don't feel bad if I don't remember your name. Uh, and I says, I, says, I says, Joe, there's something more to life than this. And he was one of those that described to me how drink and how uh, what he ate affected his <laughs> mind and how he was opened up to bigger vistas and he wasn't going to be confined to the 60s realm of morality. He was liberated and he was on his way and that the whole world was actually a repeat of what Martians had done. Pretty wild. I said, Joe, I'll pray for you. And I did. He wouldn't pray with me. Two weeks later, he was the first overdose fatality at Wausau Central Hospital. They found him under his bed after he ran through an intersection with his vehicle and piled it up. They did not know how to handle him because he was so full of dope at the time, so full of what he ate and drank and the pleasures he derived from it, so far from God, 
he died underneath the hospital bed. Now when you go into the emergency section ward in that hospital, they do evaluations of you, but for the first year or so, they just strap you down. They tried that with the next guy. I could tell you the next guy's name that went in there. And he's gone too. Another friend of mine. What made me different than them or what can make you different from them? What can change your life is your faith and trust in God's word. Not how you feel about God's word. Not how you perceive it even. It's your faith and trust in it. Brother Fred and I had a brief discussion here about giving money to the devil, so to speak. Use that term very loosely. And uh, I says, God will honor it if you are trusting his word and doing what he wants you to do. If you believe, if I gave money to a drunk and he, and he said he needed it to buy a Bible and he goes and buys alcohol with it, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, he goes and buys alcohol with it. I'm blessed yet. He's the one who's cursed. Because I gave it on to God. And we talked about that in Sunday school class, praying in Jesus' name. I did it because God wanted me to do it. I did it to honor God. Lust of the eyes. Oh, wow. Let's, where did you get that? It's in 1 John 2.16. Didn't we just talk, talk about that? Doesn't it just touch on Scripture too, 1 John? Let's look at that just one more time, and then we'll go back there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of... Oh, let's go to 14. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye are known of him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. He's talking to Christians here. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Every one of you who has accepted Christ as your personal Savior are in the garden, so to speak, right now. And there's trees all around here that you're not, you're not supposed to partake of. But you know, we fall to mankind's temptations, and we look at them and we see they're good to eat, we say they have benefits and, you know, they have things that we indulge. They make us forget our past. They make us remember other circumstances. They make us indulge. They give us relief. They relieve frustration. They help us obtain positions in power. That's the pride of life. But are they in line with God's word? Well... Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father uh, is not in him. Where do you go with that? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And who, when he's talking about the world, we can liken it to Egypt. So if you live in Oklahoma, like I did for several years, they liken it to Texas. <laughs> they, the world likened in the scripture back to the serpent. He's the father. He's given dominion over this country. He's the one. He's the prince of this world, scripture says. And if you fall in love with the world, it's hard to serve two masters. Doesn't Christ say that? 
and he's going to tempt you, and he's going to have trees all along the path, all along your way to heaven. All, Adam and Eve now are in heaven, and they were on their way to heaven right after they got expelled out of the garden because they had to learn the lesson of trusting God and taking him at his word. The biggest example there in Scripture is not mankind's fall. It's mankind's lack of trusting and taking God at his word and acting upon it. That's what it's all about. That's why I feel led as a pastor. Little boy had a, had a couple dollars. And, and little boy, cutest little boy. One of the cutest. I can't say the cutest. One of the cutest little varmints in this church. I won't say much. He's got beautiful red hair. Most of my grandkids had red hair. There's proof of one right there. Uh, he's wandering around aimlessly with an empty bucket in his hand. And he had the, somebody had a dollar bill hanging off the back of their pew trying to get his attention. And I took him and turned him around and pointed him to that dollar. And he knew what he had to do. He got that bucket out and plop, it went down in there. That's great. That's great. And somebody said something to me. I says, yeah, I'm just doing my job. Pointing somebody the right way. And that's what this scripture, that's what this lesson's about. I'm trying to point you the right way. Well, we all are tempted. We all fall short of God's, God's glory. There's one remedy for it, and that's accepting Jesus Christ, taking him at his word that he died on the cross for our sins, and that is our way to heaven. You're not going to take it any other way, and that is going to give you answers and relief from all of life's curses. I can say that. It gives you avenues. It helps you overcome. We are more than conquerors in Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors in him that loved us. We can overcome anything if we simply trust and take God at his word and continue to take our steps and actions thereof. Adam and Eve knew there was a God. They didn't, I don't think Jesus had explained to them the complete plan yet, but they knew something about blood being shed for mankind. They did shortly after they sinned, and they had to learn by example, to take God at his word. I don't understand how some of us, and I do understand now because the answer is the last point, why we, uh, why we can take God at his word and accept salvation, but we'll heme and haw on the rest of it. We'll choke on it. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to commit ourselves to Christ. We live in a generation that does not want to commit itself. I was told this by a banker probably 30 years ago. He says it's hard writing out a new mortgage for people. He says nobody wants to imagine where they're going to be in 20 years. Nobody wants to make that commitment of 20 years, 30 years. Now the new mortgages, they put arms on them, they call them. They put all kinds of things out there so you can readjust and reevaluate and pick up on the loan. And it's because we're not making commitments. But yet, we want to call ourselves Christians because of a commitment that was made for each one of us at the beginning of time. That commitment was Jesus Christ was going to come down to this earth and he was going to suffer and die and lead a sinless life so his blood could be shed and cover your sins, just like they sowed fig leaves here to cover themselves. Because we're not gods. We just know the difference. It doesn't say we're going to become gods. 
not like Christ scientists, they call them. We are like gods because now we have the choice and we have the ability to discern, which is actually a curse to some degree, isn't it? We know the difference between good and evil. And we know our feelings. And we know how they're generated. And we can make alcohol. And we can make drugs. And we can make pornography. And we can produce all number of beautiful things and wonderful things that can appease us, tempt us. And I didn't want to buy that vet, but it was just sitting there in the showroom floor. I had to have it. As he goes to the bank and has to renege on his loan. Uh, where are you today? The pride of life. The pride of life. Let's go to the last one. It says here, knowing good and evil, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that it was able to make one wise. I'm paraphrasing, desire to make one wise and to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. It's the pride of life. I'm wise. I'm on top of it. I trust what I know. I trust what I feel. I trust where I'm at. I know how to get ahead. You're a bumpkin. As far as you're concerned, Roy, all of us are just reenacting what the Martians laid down for us because they want to see where they went wrong. I've been told that. Consumed with the pride of life. You know, it's, there's no, maybe you're not that, to that point. Maybe you're, but maybe you're debating, ah, good and evil, good and evil. What's bad? What hurts? What doesn't? You know, this abortion debate is all about good and evil. When do you call a life a life? When do you call murder, murder? And who gets hurt? Oh, I'd get hurt. My career would be would be tarnished. My, my livelihood would be diminished, and I don't want to raise a child that I'm going to have problems with all my life because when I look into his face, I don't know anything about forgiveness, so I'm going to blame that child for the sin I committed or that was committed upon me. Who's going to be offended? Whose life's going to get snuffed out because of that? The child. What sin did he commit? What sin did he do? Hard preaching. Hard preaching. But at the same time, we have so much in our lives, so much to overcome. You see God's grace executed here in the next, you go, what, another 10 verses, and you see God sheds out his grace. It caused division here. And that division's exercise in verse 15. It says there in verse 15, I will put, and this is God speaking to Eve, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here we have poor little Eve standing there. Husband deserted her. And she's standing there, and he's telling her, you're going to have a child one day. And that child's going to be the remedy to all mankind. But it's going to hurt you. You're going to watch him go to the cross. You're going to watch them strip him naked. You're going to watch him place thorns about his head. You're going to watch him spread his arms out on a tree. And you're going to watch them poke his side, everything but break his legs, whip him till he's unconscious. And they're going to hang him up on that tree. And he's going to say, 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he took on all the sins of the world when he hung there for mankind, for you, and for every one of us in this room. And it now becomes your choice to reject it or accept it. Where do you stand today with Jesus Christ? Have you accepted the fact that he's died on a cross for your sins? Have you, and that's where he bruised Eve's heel. She had to watch that. How do you think a mother feels? We know what it is to have sons that do right into wrong. We know what it is to have, all of you know what it is. To, all some people don't admit. <laughs> but we all have children that make mistakes. We all have children sometimes that really deserve worse than what they even got. But here's Jesus Christ who didn't deserve a thing, and he's crucified. For what? Because he felt like he had to go get crucified? Because he thought it was a great thing? Because he wanted to be the center of your life? Not any of those. Although he likes being the center of your life. But he didn't die because he wanted to be center of your life. He died in obedience to God's word. Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. Now, he lived his life an example for you and in love for you, but he went to the cross as he wants, as God wants each one of us to, everyone has a cross to bear. You want me to go to that message? But <laughs> he wants you to live according to God's word as much as he did. Granted, we can't. We fall short. But we need to strive to do that. You're not going to get there if you avoid fellowship with other Christians, if you avoid church service, if you avoid reading your Bible, if you avoid praying every day, and not necessarily any of that in that order. But we need to be more Christian each and every day of our lives. I hope this message has been an encouragement to you, not so much a discouragement. After all, your ticket's been paid. The price has been paid. You have a battle, and God knows it. He understood it from Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, all the way through to Revelations. The epitome of Revelations is they shook their hands at God. You can see them standing there right now saying, I am God. I can tell you what to do. I can tell you what I am. I don't believe you exist. You'll be as gods. You'll be sought the wisdom you needed. You'll and you'll have false wisdom. You shake your hand at God when you're disobedient to his word, when you avoid his word, when you don't trust in his word, where you don't have any faith in his word. You're shaking your fist at God. Why do I say that? Because I've done it. Every one of us in this room has shaken our fist at God. Every one of us need a reminder from time to time where we stand with humanity, no. Where we stand with mankind, no. Where we stand with God. Every one of us are going to be naked when we walk before him in the day of judgment. Just as he bore himself for us, we won't, you, your, your mother won't be there, your grandmother won't be there, your grandfather won't be there, your wife won't be there, your spouse won't be there, your relative, your, your pastor won't be there. Every one of us will have to make an account directly to God and 
whether we took of the tree for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. There's a lot of sins we could go into in the pride of life, but basically it boils down to what every man lives for, what every woman lives for, who's not right with God. Let's all stand.